Today on More Than a Test, we have Arun Saigal. He is the co-founder and CEO of Thunkable. If you've ever sat with your parents or your friends and they've said, I think I should build an app that, the next thing they should be looking at is Thunkable. Thunkable has helped over 3 million people in 184 countries build over 7 million apps. He has an incredible journey that led him here. He's been on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and we are so lucky to have him on more than a test today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. Excited to be here today. Um, so you are the CEO and co-founder of Thunkable. Can you, for people who maybe don't know what Thunkable is, kind of give us an overview really quickly? Sure. Thunkable is a no-code platform to build native mobile apps. So if you want to build iOS and Android apps, you can use our software. And we're also one of the leading tools in classrooms for kids to learn how to code. And so it's a really great way to get kids hands-on learning how to build software. And the end result is it spits out iPhone apps, Android apps, and web apps that they can uh, publish the app stores, post online, share with their parents, their friends, or even turn into uh, incredible businesses. That's awesome and totally true. But I feel like you're kind of underselling it. Your numbers are insane. You have you have people all over the world. Millions of apps have been built on Thunkable. That's true, right? Yeah, over three and a half million people have created over 10 million apps on our platform in nearly every country across the globe. That's incredible. Okay, let me ask a couple questions about that. So first of all, is there an app that was built on Thunkable that you're particularly proud of that you're like, I'm so glad we've made this happen for this person? Oh my gosh, there's, you know, of those 10 million, I can tell you a few thousand stories myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just such, such fantastic apps. I can, you know, I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll highlight a few, few different ones that I, that I think are fun right now that, that come to mind. One is, you know, there's, um, there's, there's a, there's, there's a gentleman I was talking to recently who's a, a field service worker and he's on the ground and he's like, Hey, I need to take lots of notes. I'm installing crazy things for oil and gas. Uh, but, but it's hard to take notes and install this heavy machinery. So he made just a speech to text app that takes the speech, turns it into text. Okay, great. So now his notes are being taken in the app. Then he was like, Hey, wouldn't it be really great if I can actually plug this into, um, some AI system and, and ask it some questions about what actually I'm struggling with right now where the problems are. So then he plugs it into, uh, he uses, you know, one of our AI components um, that we have an integration with OpenAI. And he, he, he asks the, the question to the AI, gets the results uh, from the AI. And now instead of taking notes, going back home, figuring out what's going wrong, looking it up, coming back in the next day and changing it, he's literally talking to his headset. He, he, he attaches his app to his headset. So now he has a headset that he's wearing. He's talking to it in real time, taking notes, asking questions, getting feedback on how to improve installations. And this has taken a multi-day process and turned the troubleshooting part of that into real time, you know, getting done in minutes, which I think is just super incredible to think about that. Um, that is yeah. incredible. And from someone you wouldn't necessarily expect that from, right? Totally. Not, not a software engineer. This is a gentleman who's just installing physical things in oil and gas pipelines, right? Not a software engineer by training, you know, a real field worker out in the deserts and, and places and and uh, and just has this problem, has this idea. And what was cool, it started of, hey, I just want a note-taking app. That turned into, hey, it'd be cool if, if, if I could actually get feedback on these notes. Hey, it'd be cool if I can plug into this AI system. Wait, if I'm doing that, I have a headset. Well, could I make this app attached to my headset, right? And so every step along the way, not only was he seeing success, but he actually got more excited about um, his success and kept going there. And I think that's, you know, that, that's, you know, it's a, it's such a, it's such a cool example of that. And I think, 
I have, you know, a number of other stories that I can share, but around just well, like, let me ask the you num- this then, yeah. because I will say like oil field worker is great. But like when I was playing around on your website, it was the kids stories that got me. I was like, totally. Oh my gosh. So tell me one kid story of a kid designing an app that you thought was pretty great. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, here's an example that I really like that, that, that was just someone in a, in a, in a classroom, um, doing something for fun. A, a simple, simple thing was, uh, these two kids in, in Oregon, they said, Hey, you know, it's, um, where they were in class, they were learning Thunkable in their computer science principles class. And they said, this is really fun. You know, me and my friends, we, we need to, uh, you know, we play a lot of dice games, a lot of games that involve various, um, numbers of die and, and we, we, it's hard to generate them. So, so they built an app that could generate any number of any sided die that you wanted. And uh, they, they, they thought this was fun. Okay, cool. So then they said, oh, this is cool. Started using it with their friends. They're like, well, this is actually a super useful app. It's really pretty. Um, what if we uh, put some ads on it? Okay, so they put ads on it. Um, and then they said, well, if we do that, we can put it on the app store and start sharing it. They put it on the app store, get over half a million downloads of this app and turn it into a business that they're both generating thousands of dollars a month in revenue for themselves based on a cool idea they had, a problem that they were just trying to solve for them and their friends and, and playing a game. And there are a number of apps I can share about kind of huge. In fact, what was cool about this was it was just something simple of kids said, hey, this would be really fun to have for ourselves. And they realized, wait, if we're having this problem, there are probably more people out there that are. And they put it online and it just uh, you know blows up into this incredible uh, business for them that started as, hey, I want to make it easier for me and my friends to play our games. Okay, so the two stories kind of have a parallel theme here in that they both are about someone who are trying, they're, they're trying to solve a problem for themselves, right? It's yeah. not about, you know, the the market, it's not about all the money, but it's just like, hey, this is the one thing we need. Is that how you'd recommend people who are thinking about building an app, thinking about using Thunkable? Is that where they should start? Is what do you, what's your problem to fix? Absolutely. I think there are two ways I see people start on Thunkable. One is there are teachers in classrooms who are using it to teach, you know, students to code, as we've talked about. And obviously that that comes from, you know, the teacher and their teaching. But the, the biggest way we see um, people finding Thunkable is, hey, I have a problem and it would be awesome if I had an app to solve that. I'm sure you've talked to friends before and they've said, hey, if only there was an app for that. Well, as soon as you ask that question, you should go to Thunkable and say, hey, can I go ahead and build that app? And you'll almost always be amazed that the answer is usually, yeah. Okay. And, um, so you say that you, we all have these friends who are always like, I wish I, there was an app or someone should build an app. My friend who's like, that is actually my father who is almost 70 years old. Do you think that Thunkable could be used by anybody? We have seen people, many people in their seventies use Thunkable to build apps for themselves. And what's so cool is that I think there are people at every age range who have issues unique to themselves. And at the end of the day, right now, most of the people who are developing apps are the software engineers who have gone through their, you know, four-year computer science degree. I live in Silicon Valley. You see a number of folks in Silicon Valley who are like, what are my problems? I need food delivered to my doors. So we have 10 different food delivery apps in San Francisco, but there are a lot of folks in different age ranges, different countries, different industries who say, I, I need an app for this, but no one in their industry necessarily has those skills. And now we're saying, hey, if you have this issue, you can solve it too. And we've seen a number of folks um, you know, to your question directly in their seventies who have said, you know, it'd be really nice to have an app that does this for me. Even if it's, I want an app that's a giant button that I can push it and I can call my kids. Great. People have made that app and you can do that. Anything as simple as that up to, Hey, here's a complex problem that I have. And as said with the other folks, you know, they start working at it, chipping away at it and realize they can keep doing it. And, uh, and, and it's been incredible to see kind of the, the range of users we've been able to, to, to impact with Thunkable. 
Okay, so let me ask you a harder question on that then, because it's it's really fun and exciting to talk about all the great things people have done. But you know what you kind of are, are, are sharing is that anyone can use it. Has there ever been someone who wanted to use it for a reason that was not aligned to Thunkable's principles and you had to say, this is not something you can build? Yeah, I think the the... You know, there are certain places it's not so much aligned with the principles, but it's so much uh, I'd say there's, you know, what is the right tool for the job? There are some things that, you know, Thunkable is the right tool for many things, but there are obviously things it isn't for. And so so I'll give you an example. When um, when a lot of the new um, AR and VR things came out uh, a few years ago and people were saying, hey, uh, you know, yeah, I can build iOS apps with you. Do you have AR kit built in by default already? And the answer was at that time, we hadn't done that because we hadn't seen, while it was really exciting in the market and a lot of people were thinking about it, there weren't that many people actually building um, using AR kit as we had seen. And so we didn't actually, you know, incorporate um, some of that low level uh, technology into the product. And so while it's a totally great use case, it wasn't kind of a thing that that really you could um, do at that time on Thunkable. And so I think it's more of there, there are certain, you know, features and capabilities um, that we really, you know, focus on excelling at. And there are other things where we say, hey, this isn't necessarily our sweet spot. Um, and, and we don't really, you know, focus our, our resources on that. And, and so those are some of the things that that won't work on Dunkable. But I think in general, if you, you know, if you have an idea uh, of, you know, a lot of common patterns and apps, hey, I want to take, I want to push a button and I want it to integrate with my sensors and pull out my camera and do all these cool things. It, it, you know, if that, if that, if you, if you've kind of seen it uh, in an app before, commonly, there's a good chance that, not only will we support that, but we'll actually be um, very good and very fast at allowing you to make apps uh, uh, through our platform. So what I'm hearing is that you there are some features you may or may not have at this point. Yeah. But my question was, is there ever an opportunity, you know, like a lot of what we're talking about in technology is safety and safety for kids and things like that. Is there, is there anything that you, if, have you had the experience and you don't have to be specific, but have you had the experience yeah. where you've kind of had to shut down what someone was trying to build because it, it, it just didn't feel right? Yeah, I, I think totally. So, so for us, I mean, safety and, 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 you know, privacy security, it's something super important for us. My graduate degree was in uh, one of the, you know, internet policy labs. Um, and, and so I spent a lot of time, um, you know, really thinking about how to do not just security, but accountability, making sure that the right people are using the right things at the right time. Um, and, and so for us, we've, uh, I think, done you know, something we've done that's been been good for us is right in, in our terms of use itself. We're very explicit about, hey, you can't you can't use us for these things. Right. So whether it's, um, you know, illicit content or it's, uh, you know, it's 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 for violence or bullying and things like that. That's very explicitly laid out in our in our terms and things like that. And so we say right when you come in, hey, if you're using the platform, we expect you to use it for things that are aligned with our principles and things that aren't. Um, we you know, you cannot use it for, and that's actually not allowed on the platform. So um, not only uh, have we kind of told people no to certain things, but we also kind of put it up there in writing for people to see. So there's no ambiguity on, hey, if I want to do a thing around, you know, I don't know, something that involves um, violence or, or illicit content, things like that, things that we we don't want to promote, we say explicitly, hey, this isn't the place for that. And, um, and, that's, uh, and that's, you know, against our terms to use us for that. And I think you're kind of talking about a little bit, that's great that you've had such great design around, you know, from, we're upfront about what you can and cannot do. We're upfront about what we do and don't have as far as features, right? Like there are yeah. things that we're just not into yet, um, which is part of what makes it so great. Like I, we talked about right before we got on this call is I've been playing around with it and it is like surprisingly easy to use. It is surprisingly clear. Um, and I'm just curious, like how hard and how long has that, how has that design process gone? Because it's so incredible. It feels like you gave me all the features I wanted, 
and and not a ton of the things I wasn't looking for. And so I'm just curious, like that iteration, how did you, how did that go? And how does that's it continue been, to go? I'm sure. Yeah, that's been something that we we really spent a lot of time on and been been very intentional about. So if you look at our our history, you know. Uh, myself and a few others on our team were part of uh, building MIT Scratch, um, which was this this tool uh, that you know helped kids to code. And a lot of kids are learning um, to code via Scratch these days. And then uh, from there, we built a, a tool um, at MIT called MIT App Inventor, which was kind of the precursor uh, to Thunkable, where we said, "Hey, um, make it easy for kids to use Scratch like blocks, but to build um, mobile apps." From there. We said, okay, wow, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could take this out of the classroom and turn it into, you know, a full-fledged product company that that could really support um, our users? And 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 the nice part about that is, from day one, we had a lot of users in our community who gave us a lot of comments. And even today, if you go to community.dunkable.com, you'll see people just giving um, comments, suggestions, etc., putting out polls, getting upvotes, and whatever. And so. The, the biggest thing for us and, you know, one of our largest teams at the company and one of the things that we spent a lot of time on from the early days is listening to what our users have to say, listening to what, uh, the, you know, the students, the teachers, the, 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 the creators, the, 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 the workers in the field, what they're saying about what are the things that they need and saying, hey, if we're hearing enough folks need this, let's go build that and let's go do a really good job of it. And so, as you said, there are things that we do and things that we don't do, but the things that we do, we made sure we really invested in and gotten you kind of the fully functioning, full-fledged version of it. So you have that. So over the years, we've really, you know, listened to our users and, and iterated. And I think the joys of having, you know, the large community that we talked about early on is that, you know, if something comes up and someone wants it and it's going to be a popular feature, you're going to get a hundred people in the next day responding saying that, and then a thousand people following that. And these aren't made up numbers. This is, this is real. So when you have, you know, people at that scale talking about it, what's really nice is also they're saying, Hey, this is what I want. This is how I'm using it. And this is how I'm thinking about it. And we'll even get on an interview with a few of them and saying, Hey, you said you wanted this. Can you talk us through a little more? And once we have that, we'll say, great, let's go do it. And usually we'll even choose, you know, one of our users or a couple of our users to say, Hey, we hear you want this. A lot of folks are asking for it. Why don't you be a design partner with us? As we build this feature, we'll give it to you. We'll let you try it out. And that way we know that we're going to get it really right for at least one user. And we get it really right for one user. And that user sounds like a lot of our other, you know, thunkers in our community. Then probably we're going to get it right for, for the rest of them. Because I think, you know, us sitting in our offices and guessing, hey, maybe they want it like this. Maybe they want it like that. The, the, the joys of the community is let's ask them what they want. Let's build with them. Let's have them be our part of our process, be, be a part of our team. And then when we're able to, uh, you know, release it into the wild, we know that it's going to be something that they're excited about because they, they were co-creators of the features with us. Okay. So what, we talked to a lot of ed tech companies and ed tech CEOs. And I think what you're talking about is something that a lot of people aspire to have, right? A community that is vocal and willing to try things, you know, especially in ed tech, because we're all trying to pull at teachers who are very busy. <laughs> and yeah. I, so I'm just curious, what do you think are, were the keys to your, your community's success to building that out? Is it just, they love the product? Is it the way that you communicate with them? What do you think is really working there? Great question. I think there's a few things. So first of all, um, you know, I will, I, will, I will say, you know, we're still learning a lot and we still improve this every day. But I think the, the first thing was we, we spent a lot of time actually researching um, what makes a good tool, right? So when we were in um, when when we we had a team behind this, it was you know there was a collaboration kind of between Google and MIT before this that was really working on what's the easiest way to learn to code and to learn to build. And so we really 
um, we really concluded that this blocks based programming, right? Like you do in, in scratch and like you do in thunkable are, are really that that's the, that, that we felt was the right way where it was simple enough that, that people could learn from scratch, but powerful enough that it gave you the power of coding because even though it's what we call no code, it's not no logic, right? So you're, you're still, you're still coding, right? And that's, I think, uh, uh, a really valuable, or you're, you're at least doing the, you know, getting the, the essence of coding. And so I think that was really valuable. So first off, by, by building a product that we had done research on and, and, you know, written papers on saying, this is the, the, the best way to, to, to be learning to build mobile apps. I think that was, you know, step one for us was make sure actually there is the research behind it. I think um, there are a lot of amazing companies out there that have gone forward and off of ideas or whatever, but maybe haven't done the academic research that we have. And if you're serving education, doing research in an educational context, you know, made a lot of sense to us. So that's one thing. Number two, um, of our first 10 employees, multiple of them came from our community itself. So, you know, one of our earliest employees was probably one of the first 20 users of the Thunkable platform ever. And he was a teacher in a classroom, uh, teaching Thunkable. And so we said, Hey, you're teaching Thunkable. You're part of our forum. You were early on at Thunkable as a user. Why don't you come join the team and actually help, help us build it from the inside? So we've, we've really enjoyed actually being able to hire people from our community to join our team. And so they can be the voice of the user because they are the user. Right. And so I think, uh, that, and then the last piece is, um, in the early days, we always made it so that you could chat with someone on the Thunkable team. Um, and we, and we've had um, from the first few months a community forum where anyone can post questions, ask, answer, even till till date. And I think actually being very intentional about building that community has been um, incredibly valuable for us. Uh, and it's just such a great place for us to be and for, you know, teachers to be able to go on and say, hey, has anyone taught this in their classroom? And someone else says, yeah, I've taught exactly that. Here's how I can do it. Right. It's uh, it's been really important to us. And so we've spent a lot of time um both in terms of who we hired and in terms of the supporting products we built around Thunkable to make sure that there is that incredible community um, that can come together and, uh, and, 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 and support us supporting them. It's really nice the way, you know, to me, it almost sounded like it was, you got lucky, the product was good and people, you joined the community. But then when you talk about it, there's actually a lot of intentionality to your community. And that, that's really neat and special. And I'm so totally. glad that you got to share that. Um, I know we, I want to talk a little bit about you, but I want to ask you a few more um, questions about Thunkable. Um, and I think this is actually a little bit more around, you know, AI and, and what we're hearing, you know, there's a little bit of fear around AI. I think, I think totally. you're probably noticing. And I think, um, you know, I was at a conference recently and, and someone made a pretty large statement about her fear of AI. And, and I asked, I said, you know, like what, what's scaring you? And, and she, her big concern is, um, it's stealing jobs, right. That people won't have jobs anymore because of AI, and when you think about Thunkable, I'm sure there are, you know, some people who <laughs> would have built apps previously and that don't necessarily have that role because people can do it for themselves through Thunkable. So I'm just curious, how, how do you fit into this conversation about jobs and, you know, automation and AI? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think what, what we found, um, which is super interesting, I'll talk about Thunkable specific and then broader to AI. To your point, people are saying, uh, you know, that's a good question. Oh, is Thunkable going to take my jobs? What we found is there, if you look at the number of software developers that exist right now and the number of apps that exist right now, I'll just talk about that. And even then talk about the growth rate. Um, there are way more, there are way more apps 
that need, there are way more job openings for software engineers that exist today than there are software engineers that exist today. If you look at um, the growth rate of how, how quickly are we adding new software engineers um, to the workforce versus how quickly are our needs of apps uh, growing? Um, it, it, the, the, not only do we not have enough engineers today, but actually that, that, that gap is growing. It's not shrinking, um, which is, which is crazy. What's also mind blowing is that there are so many, um, roles that exist in the world, uh, that, that really, that, that should exist for people to build mobile apps that don't right now of there are operations teams, delivery teams. There are many, many, many non-technical teams right now that don't even think that software um, is a viable option for them because they don't have the budget for it. They don't have the expertise for it, but they need um, software engineers to help make their, their processes more efficient. Otherwise them and their businesses will be obsolete. And so what we're doing, the way I view it is we're not taking away jobs from, 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 from engineers that already exist. We're doing two things. One, we're, giving tools to people who right now didn't have access to those tools or those engineers to actually create and solve their own problems, right? Those examples I gave you um, a little earlier, no one, there was the, the alternative was not, oh, have a software engineer build it. It was suffer through the pain and don't do anything. Like that was the alternative. And that's our biggest competition is inertia is people saying, I'm not doing anything. And we say, no, come do something, right? So that that's thing number one there. Um, in terms of um, software folks who are doing jobs that maybe are being re replaced by uh, a thunkable. What I hear from folks is, oh my gosh, it's so nice that I don't have to do this boring, repetitive task. I can let someone do that. And I can actually use my genius, my engineering skills to solve the real hard engineering problems that no one has solved yet, right? There are so many teams I've talked to that say, Oh, great. Now the, you know, copy and pasting of a template app and, and rebuilding it. I don't need to do that anymore. I can focus on the really cool, rich software experiences, the new cutting edge things, and I can let someone else focus on, you know, just building, building the routine thing. So I think the software engineers who do see us don't view us as a threat so much as someone taking away kind of a lot of the, the work that, that, that is not utilizing the, their most impressive skills and allowing them to do the most fun stuff that they can do. Now, so would you uh, apply? Oh, go ahead. Well, no, let me gonna, would you apply yeah, yeah, yeah. the same thinking around, you know, like moving people away from the mundane to the creativity? Is is that how we should be thinking about AI and, and the roles there? Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly it. And so as you transfer to AI, I think AI is doing the same thing. There are so many, there's so many things that just you can be doing that you shouldn't that that you shouldn't have to do right now. That's already been done and people are reinventing the wheel every day. AIs allow you to do that. At the end of the day, AIs are only as good as the, the models they are trained on as the information they have, right? They can't see into the future. They can only see into the past and then they make predictions from there, which means that they are, what they're doing is they're taking away a lot of the kind of mundane stuff that already exists. And what they're allowing you to do is really think, be creative and think about the new and exciting things. If you look at, okay, how the pyramids were built, and now we have all these crazy, you know, awesome trucks and forklifts and things like that. I don't know anyone who would tell me right now, oh, I'd rather build pyramids the old way manually. <laughs> no, they're like, oh, thank God, goodness, we have these things. Because now not only can we build pyramid type structures faster and better, we can also build skyscrapers and things that we would have never imagined building without this technology. And and all these, you know, these, these, these forklifts and jackhammers let us do initially was build the old stuff better until people said, wait a minute, now that we have this technology, let's be more creative and do things that we've never done. And that's what I think AIs are going to allow us to do. It's going to say, hey, I've learned from the old models and the old data. 
and I'm looking back and I can, you know, help you do these things that don't require us to reinvent the wheel. So now humans who were focusing on these old things get creative. What can you do now? Now the baseline has gotten higher, which means that really, you know, in the skyscraper, for example, the sky's the limit. Um, I, I love the metaphor and I'm totally going to use it. But back to this woman at the conference, is her fear just unreasonable? Is that what you're saying? That like, this is where we're going? And, or, is, or is there something that she's, she's onto that we really should be thinking about when it comes to AI? So I think th this is not an unreasonable fear at all. I think, I think there are, there are jobs that, that have been doing certain things that AIs will replace. And I think that's, and I think that's a, a reasonable fear and concern, but I think rather than for viewing it with fear, you should be viewing it as an opportunity. I think we're in a world now where, you know, when people say, what's the most important skill to get out of school, it's, it's learning to learn, right? It's not any specific thing you've learned, but it's actually walking away with, I know how to learn new things. People in, in the workforce have to constantly be, be upskilling and, and, and learning new things. And I think what's important and one of the reasons that I love what No Code and Thunkable is doing in general is because we're saying, hey, if you didn't have these skills before, now we're giving you skills. So all of a sudden, you're not this passive consumer who's taking whatever technology is coming along, but you actually be, get to be the creator of this technology. And so I think her fear is well-placed in that there are jobs that will be replaced, but it will unlock a whole new set of opportunities, a new set of jobs, and, and, a, new, uh, and a new wave for kind of um, uh, a new human experience, a new kind of wave of uh, how humans operate and think. If you think about the kid who's growing up today and has a smartphone in their pocket and has AI answering any question they want, they're not going to grow up to just be total duds is, is my hope. And maybe I'm a bit optimistic. <laughs> they're going to use that and say, cool, this is the basic stuff. So how do I be better, more interesting, more impressive and do more from that? And I think that's what's so exciting is for you know me and you, we didn't grow up with smartphones in our pocket. We didn't grow up with, with, with AIs just surrounding us. We didn't grow up with Wi-Fi all over. We're just anywhere you needed to be. You were connected to, right. to the entire globe. But that is what's happened now. And so that's going to set the baseline higher. And I think for folks in the workforce right now, it is, it is a scary thing, but it's also an opportunity to say, cool, now that I have these unique understandings of these problems, rather than for kind of holding on to how everything is today, how do I use my unique understandings with these new tools and technology to level myself up and level up my whole my whole surroundings and my industries? And I think that's that's going to have to happen. And it's going to be it's going to be tough. And none of us know what that's going to look like. Um, but it is a super exciting time to be alive right now. And I'm thrilled to be somebody who gets to kind of be a part of this evolution of the world in, in a way that it's never um, quite happened. Yeah, I, th I think it's great. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question about Thunkable because you totally um, kind of led me to my favorite quote. I've, I've been reading a bunch of stuff that you've put out um, and, and, and listening to some of your other podcasts and things. And and I love this. You said, you know, like our biggest competition at Thunkable is, is people not doing anything, right? They have this idea. They have this, they are sitting at happy hour like everyone else and saying there should be an app and not going anywhere with it. Um, obviously you would tell those people the first step is, you know, open thunkable, but like what else, like when you get to a moment and you're stuck or you have an idea, how, how do you get yourself going? Like, what's your advice for people trying to get going, whether it's an app or something else? Yeah, I think th there's so much that doesn't get done because just people didn't, didn't try to do it. Right. And I think 
what's so interesting today is when I talk to people, for example, people will come to me and say, hey, I have this new idea for a startup, um, but I'm afraid to share it with people because I don't want someone to steal it. Or, uh, you know, I'm afraid to try this thing because what if it fails? The biggest way people fail is because they don't try a thing. The biggest success, uh, the most successful companies are the ones that executed better. No company that has started recently that I can think of has had an idea that no one has ever thought of before. <laughs> but they actually had some founders who said, you know what, I'm going to try it. And I'm going to try and execute better than anybody else has executed before. And that's going to be the success, right? So for me, what I've seen is when people say, hey, I want to I want to do something. I want to build an app or I just I I I want to get started on something. The again, the biggest competition to any idea not just to building an app with Thunkable is doing nothing, right? And so always I'm like, cool, if you want to like then go try it, right? If you have an idea, share it, tell people about it. As soon as you start telling people about it, yeah, there's one option where people steal your idea. Much more likely is people are going to hold you accountable and say, "Hey, where is the progress on the idea?" Also, you have that idea. I had that same idea. And here's what I want to do. Going back to why I love our community is we'll think about, hey, it'd be nice if we built this capability. And then a thousand people in our community will say, hey, we want this. And this is exactly how we want to use it. And they'll basically help us refine our own thinking. Right. And so uh, for me, if, if people are you know nervous on getting started, the, the you know, the obviously the you know, the great quote of you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take the biggest the biggest competition to your own idea is inertia and not doing anything. It's not anybody else in the field. It's not some big company that's public and has lots of money to compete against you. It's you not doing anything. And the best chance you have of succeeding is if you do something. And so for me, the biggest thing is get started. Come up with, even if it's just, hey, I'm my goal is to make something that three people use in the next two months. Great. If you get three people who love it, You'll be you'll you'll be motivated. Momentum builds momentum, right? Um, but uh, but the biggest um, detractor to anybody is 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 their own minds, and the biggest supporter that you can have is your mind giving you the freedom to go try something. Well, and if I look at your you know LinkedIn, your resume, whatever, like you've always been doing something. I don't feel like you are just like constantly moving. It's it's you already you were very successful even before you started Thunkable. Can you remember the moment that you decided you you had to start this? Like this this is where you were going. You know, you could have kept going on the path you'd been on. Um, do you remember the moment where you decided to start, you know, telling people, for example, or, or really going off going on this direction? Yeah. So for Thunkable specifically, it was um we were so I had I I I was um in graduate school working on this Thunkable um precursor. Um, as I talked about, and then I had left and I had uh, been working at another ed tech company, Quizlet, um, and, and, you know, a buddy of mine had started that. And so I kind of helped um, build a lot of, uh, you know, the, the early mobile stuff there. And at some point, um, a number of folks who were using, you know, our research project that we had, you know, at least in my mind, it was like, let's build it. Let's, you know, let's write some papers and, 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 and graduate and move on. And what, what you saw was there were millions of people who had started using it and started giving us feedback. And at some point, we we ran a survey just to say, hey, I guess we should figure out who these users are. I mean, it was just very simple. Who are you? What are you doing? What do you want? Why are you using us? And the responses were overwhelming. They were, it was insane. People like responded with all kinds of things. And they were like, I love this product. This is what I need. These are all the pieces I'm missing, et cetera. And, and we started reading this feedback and we're like, oh my gosh, there is so much here. And there are two options. One is okay, cool. Well, that was nice. The other was, let's try and act on it. Let's see if we can do something. And so started talking to a couple of folks and said, Hey, 
I, I think we need to do something. And as soon as you say that also, it's crazy where people are like, yeah, totally. I agree. We need to do something. I was like, oh, oh you were thinking that too? And they were like, definitely, let's go do a thing. And it was like, okay, let's go do that. I, you know, people talk about, for example, how do you find a co-founder? I called my co-founder and I was like, hey, I think we need to go start this company. He was like, okay, yeah, I agree. Cool. Let's do it. And I was <laughs> like, are we, yeah, that, that's it? He's like, yeah, like definitely. I was like, awesome, right? So it sounds like you took your own advice, which is if you have an idea, go talk to people, right? I mean, you had more than an idea. You had this research and you had this thing that people, you had feedback, but you went to talk to the people who were already using it. And then you went and talked to now your co-founder. Um, is that your best piece of advice? If you have an idea, the first thing besides going to Thunkable is just start talking to people, start anyone and, and get their feedback. Yeah. I think it's, it's talk to people and, and get to, and get to an MVP, you know, very quickly. And, 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 and by that, I mean, it's just get to something that you can touch and feel, even if it's totally wrong. And, and the reason I say that is because as soon as you do that, it becomes real to you, even if it's completely the wrong idea. And, and, you know, again, taking to your point on, I would say go to Thunkable. One of the things we see people is like, Hey, I have this idea. It's like spend 10 minutes and just put a, put a, put a button on a screen. And when you click the screen, it opens a, a alert that says, Hey, cool. You made it right. Awesome. Right. Maybe that's not at all your idea, but just getting you, getting your, your juices flowing is I, I think the, the, the important thing. So it's talking to people, sharing your ideas, um, and you'll one, you'll never know who also has that problem and who's excited about it and will end up being your co-founder, your colleagues, your, your employees, right? That's one piece. And then just starting to dabble, whether it's drawing designs on a napkin or, um, you know, just, just building a quick, you know, demo and Funkable or, uh, or, or making a, I don't know, financial model and Excel, whatever it is that makes you feel like momentum is being done, go do something. And if you do something about it and talk to some people about it, um, you'll, you'll quickly start getting that, that, that momentum. And once that happens, it's uh, it's pretty hard to stop the runaway train. Okay. So back to these conversations though, because you keep saying like, you might find your co-founder. Can you think of a conversation when you were like kind of launching your company or getting it off the ground or building your MVP that that was really meaningful and pivotal for you? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to this. Uh, actually the couple examples I gave one was, talking about the survey we did and talking about it. And, and it was one of those things where we started just being like, what was the results of the survey? And the end was, oh my gosh, we have to start a company, <laughs> right? Like, and, and I think it was one of those, just as you were talking it out, um, it kind of evolved and quickly we were like, oh, we gotta, we gotta do something here. Um, and same with, with the, my co-founder, the, the cool part about that conversation was, hey, I was like, hey, I've got this inkling and I think we need to do a thing. And he was like, yeah, definitely let's do a thing. And that took me from, I'm not sure if this is right. Like, I think I need to do a thing to him being like, yeah, Arun, obviously look at it. Like we have to do this. Right. And so I think those conversations were, 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 were a couple of the really good ones. Um, and there have been a number of conversations along the line. I'm trying to think in our very early days, we had Android only. And then at some point we were talking to somebody and they're like, we're in the classroom. Students have iPads and they have Chromebooks. You need both. <laughs> and it was like, you know, we were trying to justify we were trying to justify, hey, why we should shift to iOS. And that was like a very clear, like, you got to have both. And it was like, oh, yeah, why are we talking about this? Like, <laughs> like that's basic. That's table stakes. We got to have both, right? So what's also nice, and that, that's a great example of a conversation that was just like a thing I was trying to justify. Someone very, you know, a teacher comes and clearly gives me like, hey, this is table stakes. I don't know why this is a conversation. And I walked away being like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's stop discussing this. We're going to just go do this now. Right. Like yeah, there, no, there's no question there. And that, and that I think is one of the great things about these conversations. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, were there any mentors for you that offered a lot of like stage advice or things that kind of helped you along the way? Oh my gosh, just just an incredible number of mentors. I can I can list a bunch. I'll start uh, I'll give you I'll give you a couple of quick ones, right? I'll start with um uh, you know, our advisor of our lab uh, in, in this research project was this man, uh, Hal Abelson, and he was a professor at MIT for a long time. Total legend, you know, helped make the, you know, Creative Commons Free Software Foundation really, really, you know, the, the programming language scheme, you know, arguably the first kind of easier to use programming language, Lisp dialect, the guy, you know, who created that. I mean, wow. just, just an incredible source of knowledge in thinking of how do you build incredible products um, and incredible programming languages really at scale. And so he was, he was totally a source of uh, inspiration and, and, and really, um, you know, helped guide us in, in the early days. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, he was, he was just a great mentor there. I think we did um, Y Combinator, the, 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 the Silicon Valley based, uh, you know, kind of incubator accelerator, and they just have incredible mentors who have seen thousands of company be, companies being built and we're able to just say, hey, we see that you do this. This is this is you know this is our thought here. This is how you should do this. Um, and I mean, and, and just so many other people. My sister, you know, early on, she had built a company before. She gave me advice. We ended up hiring her as one of our first employees because she was just giving such sage, sage advice. That's awesome. The cool thing is when you when you end up talking to the you know various people, you'll just find incredible mentors out there who who you never knew were gonna um, be able to provide value. Who just provide, you know, more, more assistance than, 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 than you could have asked for. Okay. So we're hearing a lot of the things that you did, right. Right. Like incorporating yeah. teachers really on and getting some good advice, yeah. having this amazing community, hiring your sister, obviously another time you did the right thing. Um, can you tell me about a time at Thunkable that you, you really thought you were doing the right thing and, and maybe it wasn't the best decision you've ever made and that you wish you could do differently? Yeah, I think in the early days, one of the, one of the difficult things I think with any, um, any company like ours that's very horizontal. And by that, I mean, we serve so many different people, right? You have just this incredible, I mean, thousands of classrooms that are using us to teach, you know, their, their, their programming courses, um, as well as, you know, a huge number of Fortune 500s who are using us and everything in between. I think there have been, been times where it gets tough to really figure out, you know, hey, people want this and people want that and people want that. So you're like, yeah, we'll do all these things. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, we're a 10 person team. And like, I don't actually think, you know, I mean, this is obviously the early days, you know, like actually we can't do all of those things. And so I think in the early days, having the community was really awesome, but then being able to say, Hey, actually yes to some things, but no to some things are, you know, it's, it's a really important thing. And I think sticking to, Hey, where is your vision for the company? What are you trying to build and making sure that everything you're building is in line with that. Um, and, and not kind of veering off because, you know, there was, there was a shiny object to chase. And I think it's, uh, it's tough to keep that discipline early on. But when you look back in retrospect, when, you know, there were some bets we made where we're like, hey, we know we want to do this. This is in the line, in line with where the company needs to go. And it's a thing we've heard. And even though there are a bunch of other things going on, like we're going to focus on this and get this right. Um, uh, I think, you know, one of those, like one of those things was teams and organizations. We really like, it took us a while and we kept saying we're going to build it and build it and build it. And eventually, finally, we were like, you know what? We need to do this. Students want it. Teachers want it. Companies want it. And when we build it, it it's going to work. We built it. And all of a sudden, you as a student in a classroom could collaborate with someone else in a classroom. You were on a team at a big company and you could collaborate with everybody else. And we kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And I wish we had built that three years earlier. But oh, wow. finally, we got to the point of we built it and launched it. And people loved it because turns out, um, you know, creation is, a, creation is a collaborative process. And if you can right. make it easy for them, that's awesome, right? Oh, that's such a that's a that's a great story of and, and I know that feeling all too well of 
we need to do that. But you know, like the roadmap is already full. What, yeah. When is this going to get in? And then you realize um, it was the one thing you should have done a long time ago. That's a great story. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, we only have a little bit of time, um, but I do want to know, you know, when you, you have, have played a pretty big role in ed tech for a while, you know, between Khan Academy, Quizlet, and now this. Um, and, and I'm just curious, like, what do you, when you look to, you know, ed tech and, and what's happening next, what, what do you, what, what excites you about ed tech? What are you watching? Like, what's most interesting to you? EdTech, I think right now is the most exciting place to be. <laughs> and I know people are talking about all other things. Okay, there's this, that, and the other. EdTech right now is so exciting. Um, there, there's a few reasons, right? So if I rewind to, as you talked about when I was at Khan Academy or at Quizlet, there was no real EdTech investing. There was no really venture funds focused on EdTech. There was no, uh, you know, this, this idea of EdTech, this term had been involving then. I remember having a conversation with somebody and they're like, is it EduTech or EdTech? I'm like, I don't know. We should figure it out. I don't know. Like no one even knew what to call the space. Right. And in the last 10 years or so, there's just been this incredible movement where all of a sudden um, schools, teachers and, 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 and people outside have realized like, wow, technology should be in, in the center of learning and innovation, which is, which is education, which is our schools, et cetera. And so all of a sudden EdTech is taking a hugely prominent place. If you look at um, if you look at initiatives, there used to be, um, you know, to buy textbooks, there was money to buy textbooks. And then some, someday people were like, wait, we can do this open textbook thing where it doesn't have to be a physical textbook. What if it's a digital textbook, other things, all of a sudden the way systems have worked for forever, for, you know, as long as I can think, you know, Oxford university has been around since the 1200s kind of teaching in, in many ways, the same way. If we're able to take, um, if we're able to take you know, technology and really move into, move into this kind of 21st century, um, we're going to be in an incredible place. And I think um, what I'm excited about in ed tech is a couple of the things you talked about is, is AI and how AI can um, accelerate our learning processes and uh, more than that, help personalize our learning. So now actually people in the classroom, we don't need to teach to the lowest common denominator, but Everybody can learn to their potential. I think that's one of the most exciting things that's happening in education right now. The fact that I can take my tools in school, home, and keep learning and keep working. The fact that anything I want to learn basically is available online, and so I can all of a sudden go do that. I think, uh, I think technology, AI, as we've talked about, um, no code, where you're both allowing people to to build whatever um, they need in the classroom, as well as learn um, to be be creators early on, and then use no code. One of the things I love about Thunkable is people teach Thunkable in their classrooms, but it's not just computer science classrooms. People are teaching Thunkable in their history class, so you can make an interactive presentation with your apps. People are teaching Thunkable in their science classes, so you can actually do science experiments virtually on apps that you've built, right? It's not just about, um, you know, Thunkable is not just here for, for learning to code, but it's about enabling us to learn better across the board. And so I think what I'm excited about in EdTech is taking education, giving people the real-time apps that they need, and allowing them to learn as effectively as they can um, uh, in, in the way that suits them best. Because we don't all learn the same way. And when we can personalize our learning in terms of making us all be able to learn to our potential and giving us the tools we always talk about this with our community. Shoot, is docs the best? Are videos the best? Are our uh, our question and answer forms the best? The answer is it depends who you are. It's different things are, are great for different people. And with EdTech, we allow you to learn the way you learn best, which means that you will be so much more accelerated. And there's not the smart kids and the kids who are less smart. It's the kids who learn this way versus the kids who learn that way. 
Okay, if anybody was not convinced before this talk that EdTech is the place to be, they're convinced now. Like you are so <laughs> enthusiastic and energetic. It's really fun to talk with you. So we have five questions that we ask every guest. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to ask you our five questions. So the first cool. is the podcast is called More Than a Test. Yeah. Um, and we call it that at Amira because we think we're the third generation of assessment um, where kids can be assessed every day instead of um, three times a year on a benchmark. When you heard More Than a Test, what did it mean to you? To me, more than a test means that learning does not stop at the test. That is kind of a benchmark, but that's just that's just a milestone along the way. Learning is when you're actually um, applying your skills that 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 you've gathered. And, and why I was excited about this podcast is it's not just about learning, getting you good test scores. Test scores are I, I, I do still think test scores are important and and it's good to have some way to to measure people if it, even if it isn't perfect. But that's just a starting point. Learning is about much more than the test. It's about how you apply your skills and how you're able to constantly learn. And I was really excited about this podcast because when I heard that title and nothing else about it, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is a podcast that's just focused really on much more than the test, but is focused on the whole learning experience. And that's why I'm excited to be here. And that's why I love what we do at Thunkable because it's much more than the test. It's about the experience. It's about the application. Yep, that's totally true. Okay, so because we have an AI reading tutor at Amira, um, we always ask people to tell us about a reading moment in their lives that, you know, is something that they hold on to or that really changed them. So can you think of a time in your life that you were with a book that really means a lot to you? So many. Um, <laughs> one I'll point out, so uh, Creativity Inc. Uh, by Ed Catmull, who's one of the founders of Pixar. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I was a software engineer. I was a, I was a, I was a, I was an engineering nerd. I tinkered with everything um, from when I was, when I was a little kid. And I remember reading that book and it was this guy who was like, Hey, you know, I was, I was really, you know, just trying to build cool technology. And I was this nerdy engineer. And then one day I was like, shoot, this technology is awesome. I need to make it into a company. And, and I remember reading this book um, early in my career and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm a technologist. I'm an engineer. Like <laughs> I, 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 I have awesome technology. Maybe there's more to it than that, right? And and his his point was like, hey, he made Pixar, he made movies, but the reason Pixar was successful is just because they like had really cool tech that led to movies. And it wasn't that he necessarily was an MBA or anything like that, right? I was like, oh, I gotta go to business school and I gotta do the business things and learn business stuff. And I'm not a business guy, I'm an engineer. And then one day I was like, oh no, I built something awesome and the world needs it. If I tell the world, if I talk to the world about it and I see people using it, that's a company. Awesome. And so I remember that story uh, being particularly impactful for me because I remember being like, this is an engineer who like studied, built a cool product in his research and then was like, I need to go make this a company. And, you know, the, our stories were very similar. I've always heard that books allow us to either have mirrors or windows. And so it sounds like this one was a mirror for you, which is lovely. Totally. Um, a piece of technology other than Thunkable, obviously, that you're really excited about. Yeah, I think... Unfortunately, I'm going to go with the answer that everyone's been talking about AI, right? I mean, it's just the, the, and it's not, and it's funny, right? Cause again, where my, you know, I studied AI, had, had degrees in AI, but what we talk about AI today is a whole different AI than what we were talking about before, right? It's, it's just orders of magnitude, um, more, more powerful and, and, and interesting. And I think for me, the, the way AIs are going to be transforming, um, really the way, we do everything. And I think, like you said at Amira, right, it's a, it, you've got an AI reading tutor and all of a sudden you have a really high quality personalized tutor that's helping you. That's, that's done with AI. I think uh, the, the world is entirely going to look different in the next 
three to five years um, with, uh, with, with, with AI um, kind of, you know, leading the way. Great. Um, best advice you've ever been given? Best advice I've ever been given. Okay, so so I remember when I was um, when I was deciding what to do for my first job, I had I had a couple different options. Okay, there was one option was stay and do your PhD. One was go to go to go to Quizlist, this early stage company. One was go to this um, this you know this big company that we all know, and one was um, going to uh, one was going to business school. And I remember I talked to my advisor who I was telling you, and I said, hey, um, what uh, what should I do? You know, you've given me good advice, and I have four very different options. He says, Rune, each of these are entirely different paths. Whichever one you take is going to wholly transform your life. And you're really not going to go back to any of the other pads after because they're just going to take you such different ways. And uh, they're all awesome. And I have no idea what you should do. Good luck. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that stuck with me as, uh, you know, it was, a good, it was a good thing of there are many paths you can choose. And, and not making a decision is the only wrong decision. Make a decision and stick with it and go wholeheartedly into that decision and it will lead you to a beautiful place. And I think that was a really good lesson. I'm, I'm here today because of those decisions that I made at that time. And I'm thrilled with how we got here. I probably would have had a wholly different looking life if I went on any of those other paths. But I think picking one of the paths and then not second guessing it and saying, this is what I'm doing and I'm going all in on it. Um, I think that that was really important uh, advice for me to hear because I think a lot of folks often have this decision paralysis. They often are buying themselves optionality. And that's really important in your early days, right? Make sure you get good degrees. Make sure you go go learn all these things so you get good optionality. But that at some point, it's make a decision and stick with it. And I think that was a really helpful thing for me at that time. And uh, for me personally, you know, one of the best pieces of advice that I, I changed, that, 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 that really changed me. Because even now in the company, we say, okay, Arun, we have A, B, and C. Which path should we choose? There's no clear data. It's like, okay, given everything we've said, this is what my gut says and we're going with it and let's stick with it. Yeah. It was always where we were going to go. I, I've always yeah. heard people say things like love what is, or like always just assume that's where you were going to go. Right. Like totally. the whole decision. So that makes a ton of sense. Last question. Um, one book everyone should read. Good question. I will give you two answers. One, because I just said Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. And, and I think for me, that was a great book. Uh, I don't know if everybody needs it, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I think, you know, uh, Andy Grove, High Output Management, that still is just such a good book on on whether you want to be a manager or just understand like how do processes work and how does the world work? I think, you know, that's just a, it's just a good book that at any level can help you think about how you approach processes. So I think those are the, you know, the the two books that I'd, I'd recommend here. Both great recommendations. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sharing all your wisdom. This has been really fun. Um, and, you know, see you on Funkable because, you know, I'm going to be building apps soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Laura, thank you so much for having me and the whole Amira team. It's, it's, it's awesome to be here and uh, super excited to see what you thunk next. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on the More Than a Test podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. At Amira Learning, we believe every child deserves a chance to become a reader and we're excited to be part of this conversation. See you next week and thanks for joining. Thanks.